Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Kirsty Jeffries on Aparavi's marketing team. Today, our Chief Product Evangelist, Daryl Richardson, will be talking about data governance and use cases for the legal industry. This will be an on-demand webinar, so we won't be doing a live Q&A, but if you have any questions throughout the presentation, contact us via our website, aparavi.com. Daryl has many years of experience in compliance and governance, so we're excited to have him share his insights with you all. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, Kirsty, and, and uh, it, it was good that we all had the, uh, the time to get together today. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, data governance and, and specifically the legal use cases for uh, the platform here from Operavi. Okay. So first thing, of course, what we want to do is understand the many challenges that are sitting out there in the typical enterprise today, right? Um, so being in the in the business for quite a while, you know, I've I've heard a lot of these um, these testimonial uh, testimonials from people, and you know, the number one challenge that they face is this unmanageable data growth, right? So data is everywhere. So the typical enterprise data set holds about 385 terabytes of data, um, and the data locations are very dis disparate all over the place, right? We've got, um, you know, on-prem file servers. We've got cloud storage. Uh, you know, we've got instant messaging and Teams and, and SharePoint, you know. So how do you effectively manage all of these disparate locations? Second thing, uh, you know, from the regulatory world has always been how do I handle my risk-averse data or my compliance data? You know, so understanding that, you know, the different markets and the different verticals that, you know, individual businesses might be in, you know, for healthcare, um, uh, you know, federal agencies, the banking and financial institutions, um, and even the federal government has their regulations as well. But you start looking at, like, internal compliance with enterprises. You know, every internal um, uh, organization has their own compliance rules that they may need to define themselves, right? Um, so, so that's always been a challenge. Um, intelligence applications or platforms, as we might uh, start hearing the term, are now becoming a thing out in the IT world. Uh, a platform is supposed to encompass many different pillars of, of, of data, you know, and, and manage the life cycle through from the beginning to the end, right? You know, so having the intelligence behind the data gathering and collection of all this information, um, you should also have a tool that could actually provide actionable, um, what we call intelligence, actionable intelligence. And that, that would be like your cut, copy, paste, or move functions based on what you now know about your information. Right. So let's take a look about uh, a little bit about how we we became this massive data problem, or how this uh, this this actually became in existence. You know, so if you look at um, some things here, uh, you know, I always like the analogy here with this pyramid. You know, so if you look at the wisdom level of this pyramid, you know, the the this is the information where it all starts, right? So. On day one, I get my laptop, I get a new desktop or, or whatever, and I start putting my common data files in this location. And that, that I have wisdom about because I know what it is, I know how I can get a hold of it, and, and I always know that that data is sitting there for me. But as we start moving down the pyramid 
you, you see that the data space is actually getting wider and wider. You know, so a year from now, the data that you had a lot of wisdom about now just becomes data that you're knowledgeable about, right? So it's like I'm looking for this one specific file. I don't remember the name, but I know it had this content in it. Maybe I can search through the content and find that file, right? Um, so we, when you do a search in your typical search tools, you might find 30 different results, and you just kind of scroll down the list and you find out. You know, at, as we start getting you know, years and years under our belts of having these data sources that we've put data into, and now we're starting to use other data sources like cloud data spaces or, you know, things get transferred between applications like Slack or Teams, you know, and data uh, file sharing is now becoming social. You know, now we know that we have a lot of information, right? So the information layer is now this, accumulation of all this data into all these disparate locations that I have to now have effective search tools to find and manage that information. And then ultimately, in an enterprise or in, in large organizations, they just have what's now known as the data layer. And the data layer is essentially all this data within the enterprise that about 50% of this data is has, has very little or no knowledge about, right? You know, and the typical, there have been studies out in, in the real world where the data set in a typical enterprise, more than 50% of the data is what's considered dark, right, or dark data, and everybody here has probably heard that term, but dark data is simply data that nobody understands nor can they tell you much about it, right? So if you look at this little girl here, and, you know, hopefully she's not mad at me for putting her here because she looks very angry, but her room's a mess, right? You know, but if I asked that little girl to go find that pink pillow or her, her jacket, she'd probably find it pretty quickly because she's the one who put it there, and she knows where everything is, right? You know, so you're, you've got a few people in the enterprise they can put their hands on data pretty quickly. Of course, there's that 50% that nobody knows about that, you know, you just literally have no idea what it is. But, you know, if I was to tell her to go and find me something, she could find it, but I'd have to ask her to do that. So the organizational perspective would say, put all your clothes in the drawer. Put your blanket and your pillows on your bed, right? So if I needed to go in into a general perspective and find you know, her jacket, I would know she put it in the closet. Or if I was looking for a pillow, I would, I would know it's on the bed, right? So organizing the information is going to be paramount to managing the life cycle of information. So let's look at the problem if we just leave it alone, right? You know, so the biggest challenge that enterprises have today is, is what do I have in this massive data sprawl, right? You know, so I could say that there are people in the organization that know what 15% of this data is, right? So if I'm in a boat in an ocean in Antarctica or, or, or somewhere, you know, around the Arctic Circle, there's icebergs, right? So I always like using the iceberg analogy. So if I'm in a boat and I'm coming up to an iceberg, I can see what relates to about 15% of this iceberg. I look at that as the data that I know about. I can put my fingers on it, I know what this data is, and I know I'm storing it in an effective way, right? 
So as I get closer and closer to this iceberg, we can start looking down below the water level, and we can see the rest of the iceberg here. Um, and, and this is data that we would consider that has very little value or none at all to the organization, right? So this encompasses roughly 50%-ish of your data, right? Um, and then, of course, if we get all the way up to the iceberg, we're going to see as far down as we can see, which is about 33, 40, 33 to 35% of the iceberg, and then it just goes dark, right? I mean, I can't see how truly large this iceberg truly is. Right? And I know it's pretty big because icebergs in general are, you know, the, it, it, you know three quarters of the iceberg is under the water, right? You know, so I can only see another 30% under the water because it's clear and then it goes dark. So that 50% of the data is data that I have zero intelligence about, have no clue, and quite frankly, I'm not even going to be worried about it because nobody's ever asking me to go into it. So what are we doing, right? So we, we, we look at how much this data is actually costing us, right? So if we look at companies that have made trillions, literally trillions of dollars with data, you know, Google and Facebook, uh, you know, Microsoft, you know, all these companies, they are their, their most valuable asset is their data, right? Now, something back in 2017 was always on a great quote, um, and, and this happened while I was a specialist. Um, but, uh, you know, somebody said, look, you know, oil is no longer the most valuable asset. Uh, the most valuable asset is data for a company, right? So, so, so data within a company, if you look at what Google does, Google is a data company. If they didn't have their data, they would cease to exist, okay? So IDC has recently come out with um, a new analogy, which means, um, that data is no longer an asset, but is an, it is a necessity. So IDC compares data to water, right? Uh, it's the lifeblood of an organization. So now, without water, nothing would exist, right? You know, so companies look at their data. If without it, they would not exist today. It doesn't matter what company it is. Without the data to, to, to manage their information, they don't have a company. Okay. Other things, you know, is like, what is the risk to my organization, right? You know, so if I've got 50% of my enterprise data set, I probably should know a little bit more about where all my risk-diverse data is, you know. So, and I can pretty much be guaranteed that 50% of my data that I don't know about holds an immense amount of risk that I need to address and I need to start looking at Sooner or later, I'm going to have to, right? And, and, and if I don't act on it, I'm going to start seeing these, this data growth average of about 20% year over year. This, this growth of data is going to become my Achilles heel. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a compounded problem if I don't start addressing it. You know, so which brings me to the total cost of, of, of inaction, right? So how much is this going to cost me next year? Or how much is this going to cost me in five years, because if my data growth is 20% year over year, I'm going to run out of storage pretty soon. I'm going to have to buy a new storage device. You know, pretty soon my storage devices are going to run out of their maintenance contract. I'm going to have to buy a new storage device and renew an, another three-year maintenance contract, right? Uh, and, and all I'm going to do is simply take the data from this old device and I'm going to move it to this new device and then a company, you know, uh, you know, count for three years of growth, which is like 60% now. So now I need a 
bigger device to handle more data because I'm not doing anything to solve my data challenges. So if not, when, when are you going to do this, right? If not now, when are we going to do it, right? So that's what I always ask people. Let's take a look at some of the internal um, personnel that could manage the data better with proper data management platforms, okay? Um, so the CCO, right, so this is your compliance officer. You know, obviously she's concerned with the compliance aspects of data. So um, if she's in healthcare, she's worried about PHI or HIPAA data, um, ICD medical codes. You know, there's all kinds of, of healthcare-related regulated data. Okay? If you look at the finance world from, you know, the top banks down to insurance, um, you know, even local banks, you know, they're all concerned about the SEC rules, the Sarbanes-Oxley's, the Leach rules, uh, you know, I mean, there's just a, a ton of different financial regulations. And a lot of, like, Sarbanes-Oxley requires you to actually have to produce data within a certain time, and if you don't, there's penalties or fines. You know, and then, of course, you know, if you look at global policies, GDPR and the Privacy Acts are coming out. You know, CCPA within California is an ever-evolving law. There's 16 new provisions that's coming out that needs to be added to the new law. How does this person maintain the regulated data in this large, previously unmanaged data set? Okay. Let's take a look at the next level, which is your, uh, your chief information um, or your, uh, your security officer, okay? So he's going to be concerned about preventing leaks of the data or inadvertently sending some regulated data type to, to somebody, right? And, and also concerned with, um, you know, identif obviously identifying the risk adverse information and making sure that that data is secured in areas within the network or in cloud locations that that he's controlling the user access and limiting the access of what people can do, right? You know, some people may need to access the data, but they, they shouldn't be able to delete information or they shouldn't be able to, um, you know, copy the information out or, or uh, delete stuff for, for sure, right? You know, so he's worried about uh, this kind of information. The next guy here is somebody that we don't really hear a lot about because there really hasn't been a way for this guy to actually make use of the data because technically the data is sprawled so many places, there's not a single place for him to actually make money from it, right? So the line of business guys looking at this saying, hey, if you know what, if we're collecting all the metadata of a file and we're collecting the content and we're keeping all of this data in a certain location, why can't I leverage my tools that are in front of me to make money from this information? So there's MI and AI tools out there that are actually um, allowing you to mine data warehouses and data lakes, right? So if you're collecting information from your enterprise into a single searchable location, then you're most likely creating what, what can be considered a data lake or a data warehouse. So why not give your, your different sales teams, marketing teams, um, HR teams, you know, why not give them the ability to mine this information to help them along their journey within the company to, to make use of the data? If it's just sitting there, why not make money off it? That's my, my opinion here. And then, of course, 
the, the, the ever popular uh, chief information officer. He's concerned about, you know, reducing the storage footprint, you know, consolidation of, of data centers or consolidation of applications and trying to reduce that monetary footprint within the um, information uh, department, right, the, uh, the IT department that he's managing. So he wants to make sure that that da data is highly available with the five nines availability, right? You know, that's something that he's also going to be, uh, you know, prioritizing applications and, and doing all these things. But, you know, the big thing here is that he's managing a budget. And if you continue to add 20% to your storage year over year, his budget is not increasing to manage that much growth, right? So in, a, in, in certain ways, you could leverage tools that are sitting out there today to make money from it, not only from the line of business perspective, but also to make you look like this guy really cares about this company, you know, um, you, know you reporting to the CIO, he really cares and he wants to make sure that we're, we're running as efficiently as possible. And the only way you're going to do this to identify the data that you can simply delete that has zero value to your organization. So let's take a look at a couple of use cases now. So um, a large bank in, uh, in New York, um, and, it, and it wasn't the one labeled here. This is just a picture. But um, it's a highly regulated industry, SEC, FINRA, Sarbanes-Oxley, Dodd-Bank, or, or Dodd-Frank is the rule that actually um, specifies the time to, to respond. Um, you know, but then you go into, you know, the environment itself. I mean, there's literally billions of data files that need to be classified, protected based on the content. Um, how are you going to do this from a manual perspective? Well, you know, if you, if you look at the human element here, the human element is the bottleneck. Right, a, a, an effective human can look at data at about one file per minute, which is 60 files an hour, times that by a, times that by a 40-hour work week, or, or five, right? So, so you've got a 40-hour work week for these guys. I mean, they can only look at, you know, a couple hundred thousand files a year, right? I and mean, how are they going to go through a billion files, right? So. So doing the math, I mean, you know, if you get to one single person to go through this many files, it would literally take them like 3,000 years. It's just not going to happen. So automation is going to be the key in a process. Um, the bank itself was out of compliance. They knew they were out of compliance, and they were facing very large fines from the SEC. So, um, and, and obviously the reputational damage could be equally financially burdening, right? So, um, Multiple data centers, the data sprawl was massive. You know, they, they actually saw more than 20% year-over-year growth because they literally had a no-delete-anything policy. So everything brought into the system was kept forever, right? I mean, not to mention the risk that's related to keeping data forever is a huge problem. So in, in the synopsis, billions of, billions of data files need to be managed, protected, um, Data with no value to the organization or it wasn't tagged classification needed to be deleted, um, uh, you know, and, and data centers needed to be consolidated. So, so, so this was kind of the challenge that they had. Um, you know, so a, a platform, per se, would allow you to um, manage all the different storage arrays in one single platform, um, 
hundreds of thousands of users could be managed in a, in a certain location, um, a combination of like emails and file shares. Um, there was some structured data, but predominantly 90% is all unstructured, and estimated size in the environment was 56 petabytes. I mean, it's a, it's a massive amount of data. So um, obviously the, the solution um, would be to add the platform to manage and ensure the proper data management and compliance rules are being followed. Um, the data was scanned, classified, and then all classified or risk-averse data based on classification rules was tagged um, and easily identifiable. Um, the classification tag data was added to cloud locations for cheaper storage, but adding long-term retention times to this. Getting this data off your primary storage is always going to be something that your storage admins help. It's going to help your data protection um, scheduling, uh, your, your backing up or protecting a smaller amount of data. You know, if you get it up into a cloud location, apply the proper retention, delete it when it's ready to be deleted. You know, this complete automated platform should have the tools that does this for you, right? You know, so, um, you know, ultimately what, what the objective was was to remove 20% of the legacy storage and hardware that was sitting in the data centers. So um, it, it's a great solution for this. Let's take a look at another um, situation. So if you understand the legal challenge that sits out there, the biggest challenge for legal is, is finding that needle in a haystack, right? So if you're either a defense counsel or you're the prosecuting counsel or the plaintiff, the one thing you're looking for every time you do a legal search is that one file, that one file that's going to incriminate the other side that either makes or breaks the case, right? You know, so finding the needle in the haystack is, is very imperative. Now, I have seen estimates of the average cost of a single document to review is between $8 and $12 for legal processing to handle on a single file. If I have 100,000 files, you know, in a typical enterprise data um, a, a lawsuit, I mean, just my legal cost alone to review the information is somewhere between 800000 and $1.2 million, depending on, you know, the services that you're, you're getting provided, like auto redaction or, or reviewing processes. You know, you've got software to pay for. Um, you know, if, if you understand that, that time is of the essence um, when you're looking at uh, the legal challenges, you know, anytime you can save time, you're going to save money, and you're also going to be able to meet your deadline. You know, so the biggest challenge that you might find within the typical e-discovery process is the collection of the information. Collecting and indexing takes about 50% of the time. And, and then you go into this other process. So, so let's take a look at that, actually. So if we look at the legal process itself on the left, we might have 10 terabytes of total data that we start with. Right, so we're going to define a case in some e-discovery tool, and that case is going to have the custodial ownership of the information. It's going to have the keywords that we're searching for. It might have some sort of a date range. A, a, you know, it has to be in between these two dates, right, for all these keywords from these custodians, right? You know, so that's your typical case. Um, so once you do that, that search, 500 gigabytes of data might be that raw 
data that you have to collect and bring into any discovery tool. Um, you know, and then you go into your culling process. But the culling process says, you know, let's bring it into the discovery tool and let's start filtering out what our low-hanging fruit is that we say we know this is not relevant. So then we would go in and start selecting processes and filters to where, um, you know, this data is now culled down to, say, 50 gigs, right? And then that 50 gigs of data is the data that we're going to start reviewing, right, and tagging for relevancy or non-relevant or um, maybe it needs to be redacted or whatever. So when you get to the reviewing stage, you know, after you filtered out the, five, the 50 gigs of data, you might only have five gigs of data that's actually relevant to the case, right? And then you can even further look through that information and say, look, this data has some personal information or it's intellectual property. I'm not obligated to have to return this unless it's requested. So ultimately, the process is to produce one gig of data, right, which is then collected and processed and, and then, you know, produced to the opposing counsel. This process of, of this whole legal aspect is, is a process called the electronic discovery reference model, right, and it's your typical law data collection process. So if you, if you don't know what that is, just look it up. It's from Duke Law. It's very informative, and there's nine steps from, from to be complete. You know, so having a platform that helps with this. So if you look at the platform itself, um, the heavy lifting is being done for you already because we're already collecting the metadata and the indexable content of all these files. You know, and that process is 50% of your time is the collection process. And then you collect it and then you index it. So these are all processes that uh, take a lot of time. You know, so your searching and your culling is made easier through advanced search features and then reporting where you can kind of eliminate columns that you don't really need because they fall out of the scope of, of the actual case requirements. You know, so, you know, once we start determining our sources, um, you know, that helps to kind of define where the search is going to be. Then we go through filtering data, and then we go through the culling process, and then we determine what of the culled data is actual evidence, and then produce only the relevant information and no red herring out there, okay? So, you know, I've been in this field for quite a while, so a lot of people ask me what I want to, you know, what should I do from here, right? You know, so I would say, you know, there's a couple of things that I've noticed that have been asked, right? You know, having an end-to-end um, compliance or governance application that handles the complete data life cycle from beginning to end is paramount to your success um, in managing an enterprise data set. You know, second thing, obviously, is to have a proper record schedule in place, right? You know, even if you're not handling regulated data, if you, I mean, there's, States that have their individual um, uh, rules and regulations that might require you to keep certain amounts of data or delete data, right? You know, so um, having a proper record schedule defined is going to be paramount as well. Um, you know, securing your securing and protecting your your risk data, right? You know, so you know everybody's heard of GDPR. You know, if you do business in one of these 60 countries that have individual GDPR policies or or their own privacy law, you're going to have to be able to adhere to these policies. California data privacy is the same way. If you do business in California, you, you have to understand that law and have processes in place that help with that. So, you know, and that brings me to the classification needs. 
you know, I need to make sure that my classification is complete and I don't have to rely on my end users to define these policies. Um, if we're going to collect all the data, then why not give the end user or customer the option to keep the index so you can search for all, through all of your enterprise data in one location, right? You know, a lot of applications out there just collect the data and then they delete it and then they fill up a new cache with new, but they don't ever keep that indexable content. So why not give you the option? Um, and of course, determine where the low cost, most effective storage is, right? So being agnostic to the targets where you're going to need to store the information is, is going to be also paramount. So if we look at the Operabi platform, you know, this is kind of the wheel of, of what a platform should be. So optimize, discover, classify, protect. So let's go through really quickly here. Um, so automation and efficiency is going to be the key to optimize your data management workflow. You know, have policies that are smart, um, reducing your costs, obviously taking many applications and rolling it into a single license is going to be um, uh, very helpful. Um, let's look at the, the classify and intelligence aspects. So, you know, have it a simple-to-use search tool that uses Boolean logic. It classifies data. You can look at your classified tags um, and determine where your risk-averse data is and provide analytics to this information. You know, obviously the second, uh, you know, the most important thing here is the protection aspect. You know, this is an open data lake, so um, make sure you're protecting the information through, uh, you know, your threat protection or your AV tools, um, agnostic control of your data sources and targets. You know, all these things are going to be important so you can protect the information against uh, inadvertent deletion or or uh, removing uh, or, or moving the data somewhere else that is going to compromise it, the security of the information. And of course, simplicity at scale. You know, um, have it scale to the largest environment we can, right? So having the open platform allows, you know, third-party manufacturers to build in, uh, build in integration, right? No vendor lock-in is a huge thing. We're not going to be married to a single cloud vendor. You know, we want you guys to have the option to put the data where you need to put it. Um, and then have analytics and everything built into the interface when you log in. So I can have my cup of coffee in the morning and, and get deep analytics on all the information that I have. So if we look at the, the process with simplicity and scale, you know, we've got all of our data sources on the left move it into the Operabi's aggregator, which is a cloud-based aggregator, or it can be living in a VM environment, and then simply apply intelligent policies to move the data to any of the storage destinations for long-term keeping, right? You know, so I have to be able to secure this information as we go. All right. Um, offer the access and the machine learning tools also is going to be imperative, you know, so making sure people can access the data is also a, a very important aspect. So what is the platform? So the feature set here obviously is something that I have, have been a big part of by adding a lot of these features and functionality. You know, if, you know, providing a full index of the contents of metadata so it's easily accessible. You know, a single platform to get rid of five different layers or five different pillars of applications that you might have today. You know, um, having, uh, you know, automation in place so you can take the human element out 
and it manages data from start to finish. Um, you know, create actionable intelligence. I'm giving you all the information you need. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna allow you to make decisions based on that and move the data to where you need to or take action on it. You know, obviously when I log in, I wanna provide data analytics. You know, how, what's the age of my data? What are the simple, simple analytics that I can provide you? How much of my data is classified? You know, so these widgets should be customizable for you and, and you know, every time you log in, you see your own dashboard. You know, having, um, you know, reporting is another thing, right? You know, have this reporting very uh, easy for you to understand, right? You know, so, you know, have pre-made reports that are already there and have the ability to create your own reports as well. Um, looking at classifications, you know, these classification policies must be complete. Aparavi's platform has 140 different global policies that are complete. All you have to do is enable them and hit save, and boom, you're classifying data from everything uh, from then on, okay? Um, obviously, having multiple sources of data, so not locking you into just storage or NAS, but also hit those endpoints, the laptops and desktops or mobile users, right? Have that data brought into the platform as well so we can start securing all of the risks in the organization, as well as social media content through third-party integrations, you know, like Slack or Teams or some of these other applications that you need to collect the data from. And be cloud agnostic. You know, I don't want to choose the cloud storage for you. I want you to choose the cloud storage. So I'm going to leave you guys with a, um, a phrase here that only Operavi puts you in control with knowledge and creates a new advantage. Right, a single platform that does all of these things that are necessary for data lifecycle management. And with that, I thank you for joining us. It was uh, a pleasure. Um, I, I love talking about this stuff. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to our sales team. Kirsty, back to you. Thank you so much, Daryl, and thanks to all of you for listening. Check us out at operavi.com for more information or if you want to contact us, and stay tuned for more webinars. Have a great rest of your day.